Welcome to Thrive, Mental Health and the Art of Living Free. I'm your host, Melissa Clark, a professional counselor in the Dallas area with a passion for helping you overcome challenges, process painful emotions, and understand your God-given identity. Thank you so much for being here. I believe listening to this podcast will leave you feeling excited, educated, and empowered. This week on Thrive, we are talking about an important path to your freedom, and that's forgiveness. Unforgiveness not only impacts your relationship, but also your mind, your body, and your spirit. In today's episode, we are sitting down and talking with Reverend David Peterson about his new book, Journey to Forgiveness, 21 Milestones to Freedom. Listen in to learn about Pastor David's past abuse. I do want to give you a trigger warning. He does talk about his childhood sexual abuse. We explore the journey of forgiveness because it's just that. It's a journey with lots of twists and turns and ups and downs. It's not simply a switch to flip. We explore how unforgiveness impacts the brain and the body. We're going to talk about the myths of forgiveness, what it is and what it isn't. And as always, we're going to look at practical, tangible steps to start the forgiveness process. Reverend David Peterson is an ordained pastor and board certified chaplain with over 30 years of experience in ministry to congregations, as well as chaplaincy experience in hospitals with fire EMS, law enforcement, and hospitals. He provides emotional and spiritual care after devastating events like 9-11, school shootings, and various other community tragedies. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Pastor David Peterson. I want to welcome to the show, Pastor David Peterson. Welcome. Thank you so much, Melissa. Thanks for having me. I am so excited to talk with you today about forgiveness. We hear a lot about it in church that we should forgive, but I feel like sometimes we don't really know how to do that. And you've written a book, Journey to Forgiveness, 21 Milestones to Freedom. I know that this book isn't just written from the pulpit. It's really written from your from your personhood and what you've experienced. Can you talk just a little bit about your journey through forgiveness and what that's looked like for you? Absolutely. Thanks again for having me. You know, the book came out of practical need, a realization of a need for the how of forgiveness, because I don't know about you, but I've had so many folks, you know, well-meaning folks, pastors, uh, other folks in my life say, well, you just need to forgive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like a switch you know, that you need to flip. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, when the Pharisees talked with Jesus and Jesus said, you know, you lay up heavy burdens on men's backs and you mm-hmm. don't do a thing to lift them off. And mm-hmm. um, that's a heavy, that's a heavy statement, but it really, uh, at the heart of it, I I was doing some hospice chaplaincy and one of my um, patients that I was working with is my age. So she was really young, right? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so she only had weeks and maybe months to live. And she asked me, you know, what, you know, how do you forgive? Because she had Mm. serious forgiveness issues. She had been totally violated as a child. 
And, you know, the statistics say one in four women were molested or targeted as children, one in six men. That is like a whoa number. That should be. I've I've even seen one in three, one in five. Yeah. I mean, it's chances are it's more like that, Um, especially the one in six, because it's so underreported because of guys and a stigma of being able to share that. And so when the scale asked me that, you know, I was like, well, you know, uh, pastor taught me three and I've always meant to write it down. Mm -hmm. And um, all of a sudden, you know, she says, well, why don't you? Well, it's hard to argue with this Mm -hmm. gal, right? (laughs) And because she's living through experience and she's looking and saying, I've got, I have forgiveness issues and how do I have a peaceful passing? What mm-hmm. What is going to, and that itself is an alleviation of suffering yeah. is to, to help people along that line. So we're trained to kind of like deal with our stuff and keep it well packaged mm-hmm. and use it like Henry Nowen talked about in The Wounded Healer, use it as a resource to mm-hmm. others without tripping over the <laughs> the the bandages on the floor mm-hmm. and uh, so i had to give a, a quick thought and reflect and uh my forgiveness journey gets pretty real because uh all the way since i've ever known i've had a condition called and it's a neurological condition called essential tremor and it runs in my family and I get a nice vibration in my hands. <laughs> mm. And sometimes, you know, it plays out in my voice. Sometimes it, mm. you know, plays out in my arms. And all throughout my life, um, especially in childhood, you become the center of, you know, why do you do that? Or immediately you can, your folks will say, well, do you have the DTs? And I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm eight. I don't even know what that is, you know? Mm-hmm. So, and even teachers and a lot of folks, mm. horrible, they just don't know. And there was so little research done on the issue back then. So that was a significant thing, you know, the bullying that went with that. But then when I was um, around 11, going on 12, um, there was a, a man in the neighborhood who targeted me and he was a pedophile. And he himself used alcohol and he used affirmation and he also used pornography um, at a particular point uh, in my life. And especially that affirmation side, my dad was awesome, but there was a time when he was just very, very focused on other things going on. And some of those were ministry. Yeah. And, um, and so I lived through that for about, I'd say about seven or eight months. And then I just totally shut that off. And I kept that to myself for until about 19 when that came out Mm. and I shared it with my parents. And so in that time, I had a lot of self-destructive behaviors looking back Mm. as well as it was becoming for me as a real source of illegitimate energy. Mm. And uh, that would stay with me even after I had begun counseling and coming, you know, to mm-hmm. really, the true information about what had happened and 
you know, there was a lot of shame that got lifted up, lifted off of me mm-hmm. and um, a movement from addressing the real reality of a victim mentality, but then started moving toward a victor mm-hmm. reality, you know, a, a new, a new direction. So, you know, that was very real. Yeah. You know, even after, you know, like you go, you go through the counseling and you go and get your bachelor's and then you're off to your master's. For me, it was a master's of divinity and you should be fixed. Right. Yeah. But, you know, they, they say that so much of who we are and you would know this is really uh, imprinted between actually the moment of conception, according to, um, you know, brain science and memory theorists, the moment of conception all the way up until we're 10, 12 years old, the events, significant events that we encounter in life. So even though I'd been through the counseling, I went on further in my life, clear up to the time when I got married and was starting to have kids. And in the meantime, I still have this, you know, this anger, energy, um, Mm -hmm. bitterness, and so what did that look like in your life that that energy and that anger and that bitterness how would it how would it manifest and show itself when you have those issues going on you do your best to kind of like compress them package mm-hmm. them compartmentalize compartmentalize but you know underneath the surface you kind of like are kept at a low boil yeah you know and so from that point on, you're patient up to a point, you're patient, 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 and then all of a sudden you can boil over. Mm-hmm. Now, anger issues, as you know, generally stem from several root causes, hurt, fear, frustration, mm-hmm. or some other you know particular self-survival need, right? But it was playing itself out in terms of my relationship and with my wife and being, you know, transparent, um, owning who I was, owning, you know, kind of like, well, the anger itself and the hurt. And she knew about all of that. And yet at times, you know, I found myself, you know, getting overly frustrated with my kids mm-hmm. and it becoming those kinds of things becoming a block to real transparent relationships you know Mm -hmm. there are also times when you can come to realize oh man i guess i'm at times kind of manipulative we learn those you know we kind of learn some of those behaviors as self-survival definitely Um, how do i make it through i mean i'm the youngest of five kids and i grew up in california and you know but nonetheless you know, those were, those were some of the, you know, some of the things that I was dealing with. Yeah. I'm hearing you say it's pretty hard to be connected in a healthy way when we're disconnected and mm-hmm. even tied to our past. And so I, I, I think most of us know that forgiveness, unforgiveness rather is unhealthy. Talk to us a little bit about how unforgiveness impacts us physically. I, I think we can kind of think about the spiritual aspect, but I don't know that we really understand how it physically impacts our bodies. Um, studies have shown that unforgiveness um, 
this is, you know, doesn't just affect our anger, but it can affect our heart system, our circulation, mm-hmm. circulatory system, our blood pressure, um, you know, our ability to focus and sometimes accomplish the tasks that are before mm-hmm. us. Um, so obviously, and then on top of it, you know, the GI, you know, our gastrointestinal system, um, and it also stirs up, you know, anxiety. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know what's the word say? Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down. Mm-hmm. I really believe that Jesus wants to set us free. Oh, definitely. He wants to encounter us. And I love the fact mm-hmm. that he encounters us right where we are, but he never leaves us that way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, I think I'm, it's so important to explore, like, and to know the physical impact of how our emotions impact our body. If I had a million trillion dollars, I would invent a feeling machine that you would go in and, and it'd be a very pleasant MRI experience because, you know, I had a million trillion dollars so I can make it however I want, but it would actually show you scientifically, like how that anger is impacting your organs, your immune system, your mood, oh, yeah. because I think we can know it, but I think to kind of see it, I feel like that would be really impacting to know the devastation and the toll it takes on us. I don't think we realize something that happened to you as a kid can really still impact you 20, 30, 40, 50 years later. If you haven't processed it, if you haven't gone through it, moved past it. But, you know, it's not just, uh, you know, the anger and things of unforgiveness, but any deep memory that's um, very painful <clears throat> if not given an opportunity uh, to be addressed. I mean, during my you know years in chaplaincy, at one point I was in a nursing home working with um, patients, and um, I came across a, a lady who was in her 90s. She, I, I happened to ask her, well, have you had any significant losses? Tell me about any losses of children. And... And uh, or or miscarriages, and all of a sudden she just burst out in tears. She said, yeah. "I've never had the freedom to talk mm. about that." Here she had miscarried when she was twenty couple years old, and because at that time you just didn't talk about those things, you know, you just kind of like, mm-hmm. you know, dealt with it, and you know, oh, you can have more kids and Get all the trucking on. Say, yeah. And in that moment, she felt the freedom to be able to own her grief and loss. But, um, you know, it's not it's any significant trauma that we have. Um, and the, the hard questions that are in there, you know, where was God in the midst of this? How can mm-hmm. you, God let this kind of stuff happen? Mm-hmm. Um, whatever it happens to be. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, had a guest on a few weeks ago, and that's what we talked about is when life hurts, how to see through the suffering. And I think whenever we get tripped up in those, you know, the theology of suffering, it can keep us stuck because we want to believe that God is good. Mm-hmm. But if God is good, then how did he allow these bad things to happen? And so it begins to impact us spiritually. Yeah, I don't know about you, but I just uh, I have this hunch that it's an issue that especially particular 
um, maybe denominations or parts of the body of Christ need to get real about Mm -hmm. and be able to articulate some kind of theology of suffering because we live in a a broken world. The evidence Mm -hmm. of our brokenness is absolutely overwhelming. So, Mm -hmm. you know, having that opportunity to speak that and acknowledge that um, I think is is an area for the body of Christ to grow and to develop fully. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we're afraid to grieve. We're afraid to be mm-hmm. sad. Mm-hmm. I also know that in the book, you talk about the neurological kind of snags we can hit, making it difficult to forgive. Can you talk about what that's like from a from a brain level in terms of why forgiveness can be difficult? So that was one of the interesting discoveries, Melissa, that I had because I I'd laid it all out, laid out the book. And then as I start to start to do more research, um, <laughs> I wanted this thing to be done. I wanted it to be over. <laughs> the labor the, of love. Says, but anyway, what I found um, really was that um, our own brain chemistry and, you know, whether you're talking about the dopamine, which is, you know, what makes us anticipate or look forward to things plays a role. Um, so we have, we have a woundedness and then inside of us, the dopamine is a very primitive, um, part of us and God made it. He put it in us for a particular reason. So dopamine helps us to anticipate things of the future. So, you know, that dopamine factor is going to either help us anticipate <laughs> getting even, or it could be about uh, uh, not just getting even, but even perhaps seeking restitution um, of the relationship itself. Uh, you know, we'll just say, and sometimes that just is not possible. And in fact, it's ill-advised. If somebody has been in a in an abusive situation, and sometimes it's just not going to happen, and um, uh, so that dopamine is a critical factor. Another, you know, element is the oxytocin, which is the bonding kind of thing. When you have a, a violation of that bonding, because we do. I mean, that's that. I mean, men have it, but especially the ladies have it. It's how they bond with their kids. It's how they you know, bond with, with, um, you know, the spouse and everything else. So there's a violation, there's a wounding there. It's, it's going counter to what our chemistry and the way we've been manufactured. So what I call when we are not at ease, I call it dis ease. Mm. And that, you know, plays itself out. And as we've already talked about, plays itself out. I I find it powerful that when Jesus comes and deals with folks, he's not just after one particular part of their life. He wants to, you know, he wants to go after the whole enchilada. Right. Time and time again. And the, the powerful thing is he was there the moment we were conceived. I just believe he does tap dances every time a baby is conceived. Mm-hmm. 
and is so much intimately involved. God is so intimately involved in that. And, you know, Jeremiah tells us that, behold, I knew you in your mother's womb. You know, there's so much of that. He himself, God knows our body chemistry because he made it. He he wired us. He did all those things in such a powerful way. But also working with that on the memory side and perhaps the trauma side mm-hmm. uh, helps us to to move toward that. the The other part of you know the chemicals, as I said, either move us toward retaliation or they can move us as well. <laughs> Nobody does that as well. It's something. Uh, it's kind of like a dog with an old bone. Yeah, <laughs> you know, there's no yeah. meat on there, buddy. Yeah. You know, let the bone go. And I tried in the book, Journey to Forgiveness, 21 Milestones to Freedom, um, to own that and to accept that and say, how do we, you know, how do we move toward letting it go? And it couldn't be even five minutes at a time or three minutes at a time, Mm -hmm. you know, but definitely one day at a time. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. I love that because it's when we ruminate and hold on to it, that's what I think about as a dog with the bone, you know, like, and I don't know about you, but I definitely struggle with ruminating thoughts. It's so easy to play the tape recorder, which I know nobody has a tape recorder anymore, but that's the way I look at it. Pressing play the button and just like letting it go over and over and over and over. And those brain loops, you know, we find that what, what wires together stays together. What fires mm-hmm. together, wires together. And nice. um, I didn't come up with that. That's Dr. Dan Siegel. Like that. uh, yeah. That's really um, good. But what I'm hearing you say, though, too, in themes of forgiveness is that whenever we keep going over it and over it, it makes those wounds harder to let go and easier to bury. And so when we understand the way God made our brain for connection, for love, to right. me, that's really the, the way out and practicing the, these new ways and practicing a new way of being. I think sometimes it's hard for us to think about that new way of being because we think about forgiveness being something that we just forget that we should be back in relationship with that person. Can you talk to us a little bit about like what forgiveness is and also what it's not? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Powerful questions. So forgiveness is something that we do (laughs) for ourselves. Yeah. First, first point. Um, what it's not is to say is to function in denial. Mm-hmm. This did not happen. Right. Um, that didn't really happen. Um, it also is not to say this can never happen again, mm-hmm. or that it can never happen again at the hands of this person. Um. Forgiveness always acknowledges and also accepts that perhaps, like I said before, going forward just with a particular relationship, it's just not, it's unhealthy to stay in, in that particular place. So it, it really is something that we do for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And forgiveness unchains us from the person who violated us hurt us. It unchains us. It forgiveness also releases us from that. You know, as we 
release that person. And that may be, like I said, one minute at a time, five minutes at a time. Mm-hmm. Returning to that is something that is an ongoing thing. Yeah, it's a process. And yeah, absolutely. And when I, you know, when I laid out 21 milestones, you know, it looks like step one, step two, step three. Mm-hmm. I have just found that, okay, well, that was <laughs> that was not working today. I need to, you know, look at another thing. And that's really, you know, what it is. So it's they're, not, they're all kind of step one in their own way, isn't it? Or step 22 really or 21, because it's just like, yeah. it, there's no order to it. The only thing I, I want to say too, that that's in the book is that forgiveness doesn't mean that what, when you forgive, it doesn't mean that that action was okay. Exactly. But that's the only thing I want to add. It, it, it's, it's saying that I'm choosing to let go of this for me, but it doesn't excuse or say what happened. It was good or okay. Cause like what happened with you was not good or no. ever. Okay. No, I mean, and clearly the role of the justice system, which really is just that it's a system. Yeah. And we may not get the justice that we seek, mm-hmm. um, but forgiveness says I'm going to, regardless of the criminal justice system, I'm going to surrender this to God because God also knows for the person who, who hurt us knows their story as well, Mm -hmm. you know, and that was one of the things, if you can't forgive an adult, is it possible to see your, your offender as a two-year-old or a three-year-old who had all their hopes and dreams ahead of them. I'm, I'm not trying to, I'm not by all don't hear me as saying, mm-hmm. you know, heaping guilt or shame. That's the last mm-hmm. thing we need is those who've been, you know, wounded. Um, but also to say, well, I wonder what it was in that person's life that set them on a trajectory. Mm-hmm. I think the other thing is that person may not ever be able to own the depth of wound that they have created mm-hmm. for whatever reason, maybe, you know, being able to, to take that in, maybe they're a narcissist for Pete's sake. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they they have no ability, mm-hmm. you know, or, you know, have some kind of personality disorder. Mm-hmm. They're just simply not able to do that. Or yeah. maybe it's, maybe it's somebody that if they were ever able to completely take that in of how devastating their actions were on another person. Who knows? Yeah. Even handle that. Yeah. I mean, best case scenario, you'd be able to go to that person and say, Hey, this bothered me, this hurt me. And that other person would, would validate you and say, you're so right. I'm, I'm so sorry that happened. That wasn't okay. What can I do to make an amends? But nine times out of 10, I don't think that's generally an option. I'm obviously making that up, but um, no. we don't have to have the other person to forgive. And that's something I work through with clients. That's why I have an empty chair in my office is to mm. have that, have that conversation with that person that they very likely will never have because oftentimes it, it doesn't, it doesn't go well for us to open our hearts to our offender. Mm-hmm. It can, it can create more hurt, more, more trauma. 
So to have that empty chair or to process that with the Lord, I feel like there is healing there and there's a way to move forward and have closure without ever having that conversation with someone. What are your thoughts on that? What comes to my mind is, you know, when Jesus talked about don't cast your pearls before swine, and I don't Mm -hmm. want to take it completely out of context. Um, But I also do want to move toward, you know, the uh, redemptive side that, you know, whatever it is in our life, it also, you know, owning it and sharing it really uh, becomes something so powerful that we can use to take the enemy down. For example, you know, in the process of the book as well as throughout my life, you know, I've been fairly open about what happened to me, you know, when I was 11, 12. And I've had folks come up to me, even in my men's group, and go, wow, Pastor, that was really heavy. I can't believe you shared all of that. Why would you do that? That is so personal. Mm-hmm. And I looked across the, the breakfast table, and I said, I just have this hunch that if we can share those things, and folks, other folks can identify whether it's that issue or some other issue, and they're able to find some meaning and some purpose. And I think that is the illusion of an element of suffering Mm -hmm. is to discover the pearl in this, you know, find the pearl in the oyster shell. And, you know, when we do that, uh, we're really able to take the enemy down. And I, um, I just had the book launch this weekend I I just referred to the front cover and the front cover of the book has these stacked rocks. Yeah. Well, those are milestones. You might see them along the Appalachian trail, but one of the reasons why I love those stacked rocks is it gives us a decision. Are we going to pick those up and use them on our enemies? Um, Are we going to use them on ourselves? Are we going to leave them there? Or is it going to become like um, David's smooth, small stone that he picked up from the brook, that it had the water, mm-hmm. uh, maybe and go with the, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the analogy of the water of the word that's mm-hmm. chipping away and smoothing that out so that in time, David could just put his hand in his purse, pull out the one smooth stone out of five and use that to target an overall issue that brings release Mm -hmm. to others. And that's, you know, one of my biggest hopes. So at at the book launch, I gave them all a a little smooth stone and I explained that. And I said, maybe you're not broken in the particular way I am, Mm -hmm. but we all have Goliaths to take down. Of course we know there were, you know, Goliath had four brothers, mm-hmm. including the own Goli- the Goliath within ourselves. Because oftentimes, yeah. our biggest yeah. giant is our mind and shame. Yeah. And um, I think, though, as we learn to forgive others, I think it builds that muscle to then help to forgive ourselves. Can you talk to us about the uh, like a, a milestone from the book that we can practice today? <laughs> well, one of them you just you just hit on. <laughs> was uh, build forgiveness muscles. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, like if we 
everybody is, is really excited about going out and exercising. And of course, you know, with the new year, it's always a big thing of getting physically fit. And uh, so those ideas of forgiveness muscles, build those forgiveness muscles to get your crunches in. Mm-hmm. Forgiveness is not an easy thing. You don't have to build muscles to forgive. And another one of them uh, was uh, surround yourself with amazing stories, tremendous stories of of power, of um, of healing, of forgiveness. And yeah. I shared, shared my sister's story about my nephew, and that was a real that was a hard area for me to forgive. I was just so angry, and another thing for me to be churned up and angry about one time in my life. You know, another milestone we talk about surround yourself with Bible verses, Mm -hmm. the scriptures, or, you know, the powerful quotes, get those up. Maybe you need to put those in your, in your bathroom. So when you're getting your, you know, after you've gotten out of the shower, it's just there to look at, you know, particular scriptures. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I'll repay. I like like that one. Yeah. I love a good revenge movie. So (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there is a certain amount of, you know, uh, of uh, fulfillment in watching some of those, some of those uh, movies. Martin Luther King Jr. said, "Forgiveness is not an occasional act, but it is a constant attitude." Mm. And um, to stay in that mode, hold on to your peace. You know, and don't let the enemy steal your peace. And you know, look, I'm sure a significant number of folks you work with dealing with anxiety um and that's something that all of us have you know on that side of fear mm-hmm. and um again that has some roots with our biochemistry right the mm-hmm. serotonin levels and you know that's the chemical that makes us feel good like everything's just is calming. okay yeah. calming that's in that that's manufactured in the belly you know mm-hmm. so you know, surround yourself with powerful stories, surround yourself with powerful scriptures. I don't have one up there right now, but I used to keep a scripture uh, uh, on the visor of my car, and then at red lights, I'd pull it down, and mm-hmm. it would just be there. And because sometimes when you're in traffic, that's a good place mm-hmm. where you kind of like get tensed up and frustrated other folks. Just to have those reminders, it just it doesn't come natural, like you're saying. It doesn't come natural to do a crunch. It takes intention and and, and purpose and it, a habit. Mm-hmm. And so it takes habit to surround ourselves with truth, to remind ourselves because it's so easy to get stuck in those thought loops of how dare they to rehearse, rehash, relive the past and. Mm-hmm. It's so hard to move forward. I think your book is such a powerful tool for us to use. Do you have any closing words for us? Any anything that we didn't hit that you want to that you feel that you know just you want to tell somebody as they're thinking about forgiveness? Just to dare to imagine of um, a newfound freedom. Mm-hmm. Dare to know that there is a way to go forward. Yeah. And your experience is so real. And God has been there the entire time. As you experience even a memory, is it possible that the Lord in that in that broken memory, is it, is it possible 
that the Lord may want to go there with you and show you where he was and what he was doing yeah. when you were hurt. And there's something new for you to discover. And, you know, we are more than conquerors. And stay plugged in with other folks who are walking the forgiveness journey. Um, so I'd, I'd love to hear from folks mm-hmm. um, who've read the book and had a chance to share their story as well. I want to hear those stories. Mm, that's powerful. Where can we find you and where can we get the book? Well, Amazon's a great place. Um, Journey to forgiveness.com. You can also go to David Peterson books.com. And uh, so go check that out and give it a shot. Um, I also pastor a, um, a spirit filled congregation called Apostles Lutheran. It's at Apostles Lutheran apostles-lutheran.org. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and being so open with your story to help others down a freedom journey. Melissa, thank you so much. It was a joy to talk with you. Same. Take care. Thank you so much for joining me this week on Thrive, Mental Health and the Art of Living Free. Be sure to visit my website where you can subscribe to get the show notes. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Stitcher, YouTube. That way you never miss a show. While you're at it, help me out by adding some stars to the rating and tell a friend about the show. Be sure to tune in next week where we continue to help you to thrive in your life.